Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Because you made them play a little bit longer. That's awesome. Come on. <laughs> Isn't that just wild that a pastor gauges those things? They're playing a little bit longer for the offering, so that means it's taking a little bit longer. That's always good because people are giving. Amen. Hey, can you turn me down just a little bit in the PA because I get a little bit of a hum or a feedback or something? Thank you very much. Praise God. How many of you have been uh, impacted or seeing that your life is, is being uh, a challenge when it comes to the area of offense? Man, I'm telling you what, offense is a major thing that the enemy tries to ensnare and trap us in. And so today we're going to conclude our message concerning the subject of offenses. And obviously many of us uh, find ourselves at times being offended and not even really realizing it. Or there's things that are impacting our lives and we don't realize that it's really got a root of offense. Offense. And Jesus said this, just to put you in remembrance of some things that we talked about. Jesus said this, that it's impossible for offense not to come. So if you're breathing air, if you're living on this earth, you're going to have opportunity to be offended. Amen. (laughs) I said you're going to have an opportunity to be offended. And then he also says this concerning the offense. Jesus also said this, that the source of offense, even though we look at it from the perspective of it coming from people, coming from events or things that have happened, he says that's just the external result of the the, the snare that is trying to be set before you. He said, really, offense comes as a tactic of the enemy or the devil. And, And if you don't believe in the devil, just want to let you know that he's real. And you might say, well, why do you make mention of him? It's because he hates your guts and he's trying to destroy your life. And the Bible says, don't be ignorant of his devices. So in other words, you've got an adversary. So don't be ignorant. Don't walk around with your head in the clouds. Be aware of the fact that he doesn't like you. He strongly dislikes you. You know, you tell your kids, don't say hate. All right, he strongly dislikes you. But if he really hates you, he wants to kill you. And so again, we see over here concerning the Bible, or in the Bible, when it speaks of offense, just to give you some definitions, the literal Greek translation from the Bible, speaking of offense, it's the part of a trap to which the bait is attached. Hence, the trap or the snare itself. The Webster's Dictionary defines offense as this. It's the act of creating resentment, hurt feelings, or displeasure. The condition of being offended, especially feelings, feeling hurt, uh, resentful, or angry. So we could say it this way. The enemy's tactic is to get you into a place of feeling hurt, being discouraged, being angry, being resentful. And if you'll give place to those feelings, he says he's just baiting the snare or the trap for you to be caught in. Are you aware of that? Come on. You realize that sometimes he'll use your (laughs) mother-in-law. So you all have good mother-in-laws around here. I guess, no, no. Just just a couple people laughed about that. My mother-in-law, you know, I love her. Praise the Lord. But my... (laughs) You love your mother-in-law? You better. She's sitting right out there. 
So what am I saying? He'll use people. Ephesians chapter 6 says this. In verse 10 it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His night. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. He says there are wiles that the enemy is trying to set before you. And the definition for wiles is the cunning, crafty, the subtle, uh, the subtleness of trickery. But it says, however, the literal definition in the Greek is methodos, which is to lead you down a road. Or in other words, the method, methodos, the word in which we get our, our English word method, the method of the enemy is to lead you down a road that causes you to be ensnared by hurt feelings and offense. Have you ever walked down that road? I'm sure we all have. But notice the Bible says that the whole tactic of the enemy is to simply get us ensnared. The method of the enemy is to get us isolated with our thoughts, with our feelings, with our opinions. And if you let yourself get walking down that road, your life or your world will become very small. Did you hear me? I said, if you allow yourself to become offended, your perspective and your world begins to shrink. And did you realize that it shrinks to the point that it's really all about you? My feelings, my criticisms, my life. And therefore, it very seldom has any impact in anybody else's life because it all revolves around you. And the Apostle Paul, he speaks to this. He says this over in Philippians chapter 3. Starting in verse 12, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things that I have already reached, that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Verse 13 says, now, dear brothers and sisters, he says, I don't or I have not achieved it, but I focus to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. And if you disagree on some points, I believe God will make it known to you. In that verse or in those verses are several points that I want to bring to your attention. But first of all, the Apostle Paul, he was an individual that had much influence in the lives of the body of Christ. Remember, I said when we become offended, our world becomes very small. But the Bible speaks concerning the Apostle Paul that the Apostle Paul touched much of the Eastern world at that time. In fact, the Bible speaks of three missionary journeys that he had. Over a several year period of time, he had three missionary journeys, one of which he reached uh, much of Asia Minor, preaching the gospel. And so therefore, as a result, he said this in there, and we'll look at a couple things, but he says, I don't look at the things behind, but I'm pressing forward to the prize and the mark by which Christ Jesus has called me. And as a result, the Bible says that he went about and his influence was greatly multiplied. Touching people all over the eastern world. Why? Because his world was expanded. His influence increased because he refused to be offended. 
or to look at the things in the past or the things that were behind him. Let me ask you the question. If you are a person that carries offense in your life, are you the type of person that draws people to you? (laughs) No. Not unless there's people that are offended. You know, misery likes company, right? But if you're a person that carries this weight of offense, this heaviness, this miserable feeling, and just this weight... You're not the kind of person that draws people to you because you're so life-giving and such a joy to be around, right? In fact, I, I, I've got a family member, and she's just a joy to be around. <laughs> she, you just got to love her. And the interesting thing about this woman is that she was raised in a very hard upbringing. And if you listen to her story or let her tell you about how she was raised and some of the hardships that she went through, you really feel for her. And really, you you begin to understand why she's the way that she is. But in the midst of all that, there are small windows of opportunities or times where you can see her tenderness and her sensitivity and really just her heart of love. But it's a very small window And the majority of the time, she is extremely rude, extremely harsh. She's uh, just loud, abrasive. And you just really dread being around her. Because she just carries this persona around with her. You know what I mean? Come on, I know I'm not the only one that has that family member, right? You've got them. Thanksgiving, you might have been doing Thanksgiving with them. Right? And so she's extremely abrasive. She's negative. And she's not well liked. And isn't it interesting that she's part of your family, but she's the one that everybody talks about because of how negative she is. And what ends up happening is that it becomes this whole big gossip session because, well, you know how she is. Well, you know what she said. You know how she's going to be. And you start to prepare your heart to really reject her before she even gets there. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I'm just dreading seeing you. And as a result, she has no influence in the family. Because the moment she starts talking, well, there's big mouth. There's loud mouth. There's Mrs. Disgruntled. Right? She has absolutely no influence. And I've really got to guard my heart because as I was thinking about her, I I was thinking of one particular situation. And I thought, if I ever had to do that over again, I I don't know what the results would have been. But I remember I was about 13, 14 years old and we were having a rummage sale. And uh, my next door neighbor, he says, hey, can I bring some stuff over in your rummage sale? My mom says, well, sure, go ahead and do that. So he brought some stuff over in which of was some boxing gloves. Now, I was raised uh, doing martial arts, or I was in martial arts as a teenager and a youngster. And so I knew some things. But so she came over, and she thought she would be funny and try to be, uh, uh, she was, I don't know, she was just trying to be mean, not funny. But she threw, threw me one of those boxing gloves, and she put one on her hand. She says, come on, you know, and she's kind of bebopping around. And I'm thinking that she's just playing with me. 
And so she gets up kind of in my face like this. She stomps on my foot. And the moment she stomps on my foot and I'm thinking, ow, she's wham. And she punches me in the face with a boxer glove. And I'm thinking, did that really happen? And I don't mean she didn't just, you know, lightly step on my foot or lightly punch me in the face. I mean, she hurt me. Well, so she squares up with me again. And I'm thinking, surely she's not going to do that again. She did the exact same thing. Stomped on my foot, punched me in the face. Took the gloves off and I walked away. And I'm thinking, what the heck was that all about? And I think about that even today. And I'm thinking, if I could do that again. <laughs> I could have blamed it on being a teenager. I didn't know any better. I punched her out. I don't, you know. But once again, why was she the way she was? Because she had this background, this baggage that caused her to... to Make her world small to where all became about her, to where she carried hurt feelings, carried the past, and therefore everybody around her was miserable. Is this hitting home to anybody this morning? I want to bring to your attention once again what Paul said. The Apostle Paul says, I'm running my race. But he makes these statements. He says, number one, and I find it interesting that he said it a couple different times and and, and said it very similar but yet different ways. He says, listen, I'm coming to you and I'm wanting you to know that I've not achieved all of this yet. I'm striving to, to meet the mark. He says, I haven't quite arrived to maturity and perfection yet. He says, but I press to possess. He says, I'm just being real honest with you. I'm being transparent. I've not gotten there yet. I'm on my way, but I'm pressing to possess. Then he goes on to say just a couple sentences down later. He says, listen, I'm telling you, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't achieved it yet, but my focus is on this one thing. I press to reach the end of my race, forgetting those things that are on the past or in the past and pressing on. He says, listen, I haven't quite got there yet. But what's keeping me moving forward is refusing to look back. I refuse to look back. In fact, I put my focus on this one thing. I said, I put my focus on this one thing to move forward to obtain the goal and the prize. Of Jesus Christ. Amen. He says I've got a race. I've got a purpose. I've got an agenda. I've got a reason for existing. And he says this. This purpose. This reason I exist. Is for which God through Christ Jesus. Is calling us. Notice he didn't say. He's calling me. When he's speaking to them, he all of a sudden begins to make it exclusive. He says, it's us. God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us all. There is a calling that says, come on, move this way. You have a purpose. There's a reason that you exist. Quit looking back at all the stuff that has happened, that you feel that has made you who you are today. There is a purpose. Focus here. And it's the call. It's my heart for you. Now I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But notice he says this. This one thing 
I do. God only calls you to focus on one thing. Why is it that so many of us are disgruntled with life? It's because we're looking at all these different things. I've been let down here. I've been dissatisfied here. I've met, had unmet expectations here. I, I've been disappointed here. And I'm looking at all these things and I'm feeling overwhelmed by the offense in my life. And God says, focus just on one thing. He says, I make it real easy. See, that's why we, we struggle so many times with God is because we think God is making it difficult. God says, I'm only focusing on one thing. Why don't you focus on one thing? It's real simple. Just one thing. And God says, it's my calling. It's your purpose. It's the reason that you exist. Now, for many of you that are here, you, you may have received Christ into your life. And therefore, you're on this journey of finding out your purpose. If you're here by chance this morning and you've never received Christ in your life, I want you to understand and know that God has a purpose for your life. But if we are living this life without having focus of our one thing, we're going to be miserable. I can tell you firsthand... Being a pastor, I know what God's called me to. But in those seasons and those times of my life when I've gotten distracted and busy about multiple things, it's the seasons and the times of my life that I am extremely miserable because I've lost, lost my focus. I've gotten distracted. I know minister after minister after minister that has been frustrated and have walked away from marriages, from families, from ministries, because they've lost focus. And you might be sitting here today thinking, I am so stinking miserable with my life. And I don't know why. Well, my question is, is do you know what your one thing is? Or what your purpose is? You might be trying to find it, but Jesus said, it's all about following me. This is the one thing. In fact, why do you think so many people try to go shopping and fill up their life with things, put themselves in debt? Because there is an immediate gratification of buying and purchasing something new, isn't there? Come on. Everybody, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you get that new shiny thing. In fact, uh, uh, Jordan, he just bought a, a brand new uh, guitar. You didn't see it this morning, but it's so pretty. I mean, the dude is like sh shining and beaming, ear-to-ear -ear grin. I mean, he's putting videos on Facebook, playing his guitar because he's so happy. But you realize that that guitar is not going to bring him satisfaction. It's not going to produce meaning of life. It might bring immediate gratification of something new, but it's not his salvation. And so many people are looking to things because it's immediate gratification. So many people looking for the weekend to come because, man, I can let my hair down and I can party and let it loose. Why? Because I'm trying to fill a void in my life. And God says there's something that you're missing and it's this one thing that you have purpose. But because we've not stepped into the purpose of our life, <coughs> excuse me, the purpose of our life, we find ourselves being offended really with God. 
You may not call it that, but that's what it becomes. Because Paul says, I don't look at the things behind. I've not arrived yet, but I'm pressing on. So that tells me there is the opportunity and the temptation for us to look at the immediate circumstance and saying, it's not what I thought it should be. God, it's not what you said. God, I don't know where you're at because I'm looking at the immediate and it's not what I thought. And therefore, God, I'm offended. I'm hurt. I'm angry. I'm resentful, God. Because I didn't sign up for this. I thought if I got married, they would, they would just fall in line and come to church with me and serve God. I just thought that if I, just, if I started giving my tithe, everything would just turn out. All my bills would be paid off supernaturally. God, I, just, I thought things would be different. Are you here this morning? God wants us to purpose to focus on this one thing. Rather than trying to fill the void in our lives. In fact, in Psalm 37, the Bible says this. If you'll delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. See, you're trying to fill the void of the things that are missing in your heart with natural things. But it can only be filled with him. And he says, if you'll delight yourself in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Your heart will be full. Your heart will be content. Your influence, your, your worldview will begin to expand rather than just, oh, poor me. Oh, God, you let me down. God wants us to begin to have greater influence. Come on, this is where our world is right now. In fact, if you look at Sodom and Gomorrah, do you remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? God's kids went to Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says that it was a wicked city, a, a, a city of immorality, of homosexuality. And God's people were right in the middle of it. Come on, have you ever found yourself in the middle of corruption and just junk of life? That's life. That's where we live, right? But God says, listen, I'm coming in and I'm stepping in and I'm going to rescue you. But you need to focus on one thing. And he says, I'm taking you out of that city. And he says, now, listen, here's the contingency. When you leave, don't look back. Don't look back. It'll cost you. And the Bible says that as they departed, Lot's wife looked back. What happened? She turned into a pillar of salt. She lost her life. She was dried to the bones. Why? Because even though she was following after God, there was something of the world that had its claws in her. And she began to be infected by the world. She began to look back. She began to say, I want something there. There's something that will fill a void in my life. And that's many of the times where the church is at is we're looking back, reaching back, thinking that's going to fill a void. And what you're doing is allowing the corruption of this world to pull you and suck you back and it will dry you to the bones and you'll say God you've left me you've forsaken me and you get offended at God and God says no I told you to look this way follow me but yet you keep pulling back amen Paul says I'm not looking back I refuse to look back I keep my focus on this one thing. You doing all right? So let me just speak to that for just a moment. Because there's actually some place that I'm going with this. 
And the fact of the matter is, is that every single one of us have purpose. God doesn't want your worldview to be small. He wants it to be large. He wants you to be an influencer, not an offender. And if you'll look at God's servants, one especially being Moses. Moses was told by God, he says, listen, I want you to come and set my people free. Every single one of you has a Moses on the inside of you. And it's to touch people's lives. It's to set them free. Because they are living with the offense of the past. And you are their one chance of being set free or the hope of being free. But when you look at the story of Moses, all through that story, God was instructing him, look this way. Keep your focus here. Be obedient to the one thing that I tell you to do. Do you know that God will tell you one thing at a time to do? They came up to a dead end, and it was a Red Sea. And Egyptians were behind them. And God says, stretch forth your staff over the sea. And when he did, it parted. God showed up, and they walked across the water because he obeyed the one thing. Once they were out there in the wilderness, they were getting thirsty. There was nothing to drink. And they found this water brook and they're thinking man we finally found water but the bible says that it was bitter undrinkable and god says listen go take a limb a branch and go stir the water and it will turn the water that is bitter into sweet water that is drinkable he did and obeyed the one thing and they drank they came into another place being in the desert obviously you understand that water is a real big commodity they're saying Moses we're thirsty again and he says God what do you want me to do he says take your rod and strike the rock and when he did water gushed forth and it nourished and satisfied the people and yet another time they're in the wilderness in the desert and they're saying we're thirsty and this last time God said to Moses you've seen my hand move before Now just speak to it. But the Bible says that Moses got offended. He got irritated with the people. He got irritated with their murmuring and their complaining. And rather than listening to the voice of God and speaking to the rock, he took the staff that he once struck the rock before and he smote it twice. And God says, because you didn't obey the one thing, you will not inherit the promised land. He continued to obey the one thing, the one thing, and one thing until offense got into his heart. And he disobeyed God. And it cost him. It cost him. What's God wanting us to do? To focus on one thing. Come on, what are those unmet expectations that we have of God? God's saying, don't look back. Focus on this one thing. God's request isn't hard. It's not difficult. It's just the one thing that he's asking you to do right now. And all of you that are sitting here, there's the one thing that you can begin to stir up and say, God, I got to get back to that place of the last thing that you asked me to do. Now, I said it's all about you having influence and having purpose in running this race. When we look at Paul... 
Paul, every time he greeted somebody, he says, grace to you and peace to you. Even when he left, he says, grace. May grace abound, be abounding to your life. What was he speaking of? His love. And really the love of God. And Paul said this. He says, follow me as I follow him. He was saying, let my example be an influence in your life. And what was that influence? It was an influence of God's heart and God's love for people. Moses had God's heart and God's love. But it was when that love became corrupted that he disobeyed God. God still honored the people, but he lost out because he disobeyed, because he didn't allow love to direct him. Isn't it interesting that the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin? I believe that God knows that we're tempted to look back. We're tempted to think about the things that hurt us, the things that we've got resentful about, the the offenses of the past. And God says, listen, love covers it. So when I'm tempted to look back, oh, it's got a covering there. What's it covered with? It's covered with love. But the Bible says that love goes before. And it erases the past. Amen. God wants us to continue to walk without offense. Simply so that we have the opportunity to love people. And have an influence in their life. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know it well. Starting in verse 4. Hear this verse being read and see if there's any part of it that is looking back. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. So if love suffers long and is kind, that means that whatever's been done... That's challenging me not to be kind. I've got to press. It says, it does not envy. Why would I envy? Because obviously I don't have something that I think I should be having. There's some place that I feel that I should be where somebody else is. God, why not me? But the Bible says love does not envy. So therefore I can't look back. It says, love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Well, if I don't have a past, if I'm not being offended or being an offense, then I can't be rude. It says, love does not seek its own. It's not provoked or it's not touchy. Come on. Anybody touchy in here? You'll lie. (laughs) I'll be the first to tell you, I can tend to be a little touchy. You know why I'm touchy? And I'm just being real transparent with you. Because I've really talked to God about this at times. And what God's told me, he says, the reason why you're touchy is because you've got unmet expectations. And therefore, you project all those offenses or those hurts or those those things that you have in your heart on other people. And therefore, you're trying to, to, to conform them Based upon your own discontentment. And God just said this to me the other day. Which kind of really bothered me. He says you do that with your kids. He says because love leads. Love does not drive. 
So in other words, like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. If I'm doing my job as a dad, my kids are following me because of love. Not because I'm forcing them and driving them, straighten up, stop it, quit it, get out of here. Come on, are you here? I'm not hard on them, trying to conform them to straighten up. If I'm leading in love, they'll fall in line. Come on, that's hard. It's hard because it's our pride that's on the line. It's hard for me to say that in front of you because I'm not perfect. Amen? It goes on to say, love is not provoked. It thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Love never fails. Love never fails. Therefore, if everything that I do is to fulfill my purpose... And that is simply just to love God, love people, love life. I will be an influencer. My life will not be discontented. My life will not be miserable. My life will not be in the past. But it will be pressing forward to the one thing. Amen. I challenge you. Let's just purpose to love each other. Let's love our spouses, love our family members, love our church, love the people that are in this community. He's just given us one thing to do. Amen. Let's stand. As you leave here this morning... If you'll give ear and give attention to, you'll find that God's going to begin to talk to you about one thing. And you might be saying, well, God, I I didn't want you to talk to me about that one thing. (laughs) I want to talk to you about this one thing. He's like, no, 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 that's, that's, that's one thing. Do you see how simple it is to follow God? One step at a time. One direction at a time. He's not making it hard. And the moment that we press in to the one thing and prove ourselves faithful, he says, now, here's the next one thing. And once we prove faithful, here's the next one thing. And every step along the way, he increases us. And you'll find that as you do that one thing, you'll turn around and you'll find that you have one following you. And the next one thing that you commit to and are faithful to, you'll turn around like, there's some more following me. Just as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. What are they following? Love. I want to be like you. I want to have the kind of life that you have. I want to have the kind of marriage that you have. You might be saying right now, nobody wants my marriage. 
Just do one thing and watch your marriage turn. You don't know how messed up my kids are. Nobody would want the kind of family life I have. Just do the one thing. And one thing at a time, it straightens the course. Run the race. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone that's under the sound of my voice. God, open up the eyes of our understanding to those things that have caused us to have hurt feelings, offense, resentment, anger. God, the last couple of weeks have been progressively putting us in a place of where we're free. And so, God, right now, as we purpose to let go of the past, press toward the prize, God, reveal our next one thing. And in that one thing is peace, joy, fulfillment, increase. And, God, it's filled, abounding with your love and your grace. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said. Amen. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, and loving life.